Welcome to the Raven Precision Podcast. In this episode, we focus on fall application and specifically gear it around the Raven Rate Control Module, or RCM. I'm joined by T.L. Herbert, a project engineer that plays a major role with RCM, and Josh Smith, one of our technical service specialists who focuses on the RCM. We get a little bit into uh, NH3 or anhydrous ammonia applications, uh, a little bit of uh, granular spreading, and air carts and drills. This is mostly focused on the 1.2 software version. TL and Josh kind of get a little bit into the 1.4 software changes that will be coming around here pretty soon. Uh, So just be on the lookout for an episode particularly focusing on that. Along the way, we also get into a little bit of different uh, system and setup considerations, as well as some of the cabling options and uh, just what to look out for on the machine when you're actually going to build a system. And with that, let's just jump into the conversation with TL and Josh. Uh, So, probably just started off then, um, as we're looking at fall application, probably be doing more um, dry focus, I think, with the RCM. But uh, in the last episode, we had Gary and Lance and Nick Michael, and we were talking about uh, AccuFlow. And one thing that got brought up, uh, one of the features with the RCM was the vapor monitoring. I don't know if we wanted to just kind of, or is that not? The the sensor is available today. Um, i I don't know what we have, if we are stocking it yet or mm-hmm. not. Um, but basically what it is is uh, we measure the temperature and the pressure. We had a second transducer that measures the temperature where the temperature gauge would normally be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then inside the RCM, we have that um, NH3 vapor curve oh, right. stored yeah. in it. And we can actually detect where we're at on that curve, basically if we're above or below the curve from a pressure standpoint. Um, That basically will tell the operator if they're gassing out or if they're running vapor through the, through the cooler. Sure. Um, It, you know, it either indicates they're traveling too fast and the cooler can't keep up, um, particularly when it's cold or a plug strainer, um, plug vapor tube, those kind of things. When I yeah, when I kind of look at it, I immediately think with that with that vapor curve. You know, you're just looking at your temperature and you're uh, out driving the system. But I didn't even think about uh, being able to use it for plug strainer, things like that, pinched hose, something like that, right? Yep. Right. I believe, and maybe Gary covered this last week, but I believe the new coolers are coming with a strainer in the vapor line. Yep, he did. Okay, because yeah. that. Actually, some of the first uh, first issues we found with the vapor, with the, that temp sensor, that being able to track that delta pressure was struck was plug strainers on mm-hmm. the vapor line. Okay. Um. So with the re- with the because re- I don't really have a background in this, so I'm just kind of curious, and we can start with this. So, what kind of uh, applications will we be looking at uh, using the RCM for? Uh, as far as fall, like 
mm, spreader work or uh, uh yep it'd be spreader um nh3 uh strip till applications okay. where you might have an air cart plus an nh3 application um those would probably be the big three for the fall i guess we've actually gotten into a few machines where they're uh they're using an air seeder to do cover crops, so oh, some okay. some more typical air cart applications. Okay. Yeah, I saw a lot of the, like, because we're sitting at, you said 1.2, 1.12. Seems like that's where a lot of the, at least the features were with uh, with that version. Seemed to be a little bit more tailored to air seeders and drills. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot of the features we've added have been towards air seeders and drills. Some NH3 development. Right. Um, but it's just we had we pretty much had the full liquid feature set in the initial releases. Right. Um, and then as we've as we've put more engineering hours into it, we've been working more on the granular, the dry features. So particularly air carts, strip till type applications. Okay. So it'd probably just like to focus on those ones then since we we got pretty in-depth with nh3 last week or two weeks ago gosh i can't even keep it straight anymore um but so with some of those um with those sort of applications what kind of uh uh i don't know maybe things to consider as far as maybe adding adding like if someone's going to add rcm to that or if, uh, hmm. actually, I want to back that one up and just see kind of the things that maybe we want to be looking out for before that, before the season, because we're, I mean, we're coming right up on it. Um, but as far as the components of the RCM, maybe the uh, maybe the cabling a little bit, just which should someone be looking at as far as, you know, prepping the system so it's good to go when they want to take it out. Um, from the RCM standpoint, I mean, it, you'd always have the same, you know, check your calibrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the biggest, um, thing to do before you, you would get into the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far, unlike, you know, a NH3 cooler or something like that, we just don't have a lot, a lot of the components are machine specific. Right. Um, from the, the part of it that Raven handles and there just, just wouldn't be a lot. Um, if it worked last year should work this year. And one thing to add with that too, is, I mean, there's a lot of diagnostic tests that can be performed, you know, sitting Mm -hmm. still with the RCM. If you go on the diagnostics page and run through some of those, those tests, I mean, you can do a flow check, you can do a section status check. Just make sure all your input outputs are working the way they need to, and you can actually see that feedback. And if you had somebody out there, you can just verify, you know, valves and, you know, all your stuff is turning the way it needs to be turning. Yeah, that's a a good point. I mean, even if it's not particularly a Raven-related issue, um, but just something more machine-related, the the diagnostic tests really would go a long way just sitting in the yard. Mm-hmm. Being able to yeah test your your outputs, you even get a pretty good idea if like your calibrations and things are are going to be reasonably close. Oh right, yeah, yeah, because you can do 
the catch test with it. You can even maybe use that to dial it in a little bit more. If you yeah, definitely a catch test. I mean, you can use that stuff to just kind of fine tune it and run some product through and just make sure everything's working the way it should be. Nice. Um, so are there any, I'd say specific features that, uh, anyone should be on the lookout for as far as, uh, I don't know, a spreader or an air cart, um, that, you know, since we're kind of trying to keep it a little RCM specific, just what features are usable so that, uh, you know, above a normal, uh, I'd say a conventional system. So with uh, with one four and well, and some of these features came into play with one two, but uh, I guess one thing that I think maybe gets overlooked a lot is that we have scale compatibility where we can actually integrate the scales into the mm-hmm. RCM. Um, so you think like a Montag cart? I think every Montag cart for at least five years has come with a scale on it. They're probably running a Digistar scale head in the cab. You can get rid of that scale head now, run those inputs directly into your RCM, and then we can use that scale data uh, to do, uh, you know, more automated calibrations where the operator can uh, start applying, make a couple of rounds, or he, he initiates a calibration. He applies, you know, a thousand pounds or whatever stops and he, it, it'll automatically recalculate what his rates really are. Okay. Um, cause it, in the granular, granular world, there are so many variables in a calibration. Right. Yep. Uh, so the fact that you can tie that weight, that, that scale value into the rate controller really eliminates a a lot of uh a lot of misapplications if mm-hmm. it's if it's being used you can also use the scales for doing just a catch test rather than having to actually weigh the product you can run out product sending stationary mm-hmm. or you can ask the controller to run out 500 pounds or whatever and it'll calculate that um so that's one that if you have you have an RCM and you have a secondary scale. Might want to look into integrating that scale right into the RCM. And then we'll still display the scale weights and things on the RCM or on the VT. Mm-hmm. So it'll show you an actual, it'll show you, you know, like a theoretical applied like it does today, but then it'll show you the actual scale pounds. Um. I guess the temp sensor, which sounds like you guys covered that one last we or in the last podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Aux drivers, that's a, be a new feature in the 1.4 where if you have additional uh, section drivers that aren't being used and you have 12-volt functions on the cart uh, or spreader or whatever, an oiler, whatever, just something you want to run with 12 volts. Um, we do have the ability now where you can configure that output as anything you want it to, uh, as long as it's not needed for a section. Okay. Then you can uh, you can name it. You can configure it as being a latched or unlatched input. So 
either you can press it and it stays energized right. or you got to press and hold for it to be energized. Uh, kind of a lot of guys were doing that with uh, section switches before we got into the ISO world. Oh, sure. This just gives them that ability again to do it, and it's not task controller related or anything. So, I mean, it it's just you pull it, or, you know, when you're in the, the working set, you just press that button and it sends 12 volts to that signal line. I think that's a big one that we just want to make sure we touch on. It's it's Since it doesn't have task controller capability, we don't want to run that auxiliary function to a section or something that would actually cause application errors where you're hmm. seeing a section turn on and using that function to turn a section on, but it's not actually recording that data through the task controller. So, I mean, strictly like TL was saying, it's, it's for an auxiliary function that right. is not reliant on any sort of application data, like an oil or, you know, where you some 12 volts turn oil on, oil is a chain, something along those lines. I think it's just important to verify and make sure we're not using that for a uh, specific <laughs> function as far as the application world and task controller documentation. Right. So... I mean, I think there was another one that uh, maybe we can hit on. Uh, what was it? Dual valve control, um, which we're using basically one product, but we're able to control two valves, two actual um, control valves, which is a function of the RCM that we didn't have in, in previous application as well. Yeah, and so actually in 1.4, we now can go up to uh, 16 as long as they're low current drives. More conventionally, it would be 12 drives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could run 16 PWM valves. Uh, so it it's kind of more of a like planner-type configuration, but some air carts are going to that, too, where the section is... Uh, every section has its own rate feedback and PWM valve. Okay. And you can do any combination of 16, so you could have, like, uh, you know, four products of four four mm-hmm. rate control sections. Uh, we do have turn compensation with that. Um, they At this point, we aren't able to send each section an individual rate. Okay. But it does have turn comp, like a planner. Sure. Yeah, so it at least, it can at least vary. Yeah. Uh, you know, to a certain, some degree. Uh, that's cool. I had, I didn't even, didn't even know about that. And it makes sense actually, because, you know, of all the input output, uh, capability of the RCM. I mean, the thing is a beast compared to any older node or ECU that we've had. Right. Uh, and so when you're, I think just a quick question to clarify for probably my own means, um, so where where would those ice where would those uh those aux functions live? So the uh, the aux functions have to be configured in the wizard uh, because it it's defined in the hardware layout. Right. Um. So they they have to be configured in the wizard once or they they have to be enabled in the wizard. Once they're enabled in the wizard, uh, you'll have a sixth soft key on the right hand side. That's labeled aux. Oh, okay. And then you just press that, and it'll bring up a page with, and the, and that's where you can name them there. Sure. And the and that's where the enable buttons are for them. Okay. And how many auxiliary function outputs do we have? And does that depend on machine 
tune set that we select as far as say a granular spreader do we get we get what six aux functions uh in the, granular spreader the max you can have is six but it's very dependent on how what other functions you're using uh sure. so if if you have you know 16 sections with two fence rows you you won't get any aux drivers because we're we're just out of additional 12 volt drivers at that point so you have to have sections available to when you get through your entire configuration there or your entire section configuration um you can only assign aux drivers to section drivers that aren't already being used used. Mm all right um was there anything josh that you might be thinking of uh as far as, uh, I don't know, just a service standpoint that we may want to let guys know about. or Because um, I know, like, and you've said it in the past, and we, that's just what we've seen. It's uh, with it being, a you know, a basically a new product still at this point. And we're just kind of more looking at, you know, what do I need to run X or what do I need to do this? But is there anything um, that you may want to, kind of point out that would make fall a little bit. Yeah, I guess, you know, one thing that we encounter a lot in service, um, because the RCM, it's such a multi-purpose platform. There's mm-hmm. just so much you can do with it. Um, and it's it's so configurable to every, basically, every, any type of, of granular spreader system out there. You can throw this on there with uh, the correct, uh, you know, encoders and valves and mm-hmm. get things to work but one thing i guess if people are new to rcm don't know much about rcm the biggest thing is to know the machine know what encoders are on the machine are they 12 okay. volt yeah. encoders yeah. 5 volt encoders i mean we're outputting a 12 volt encoder you know power um which was different than our legacy systems which we use a lot of 5 volt encoders right. so i mean that's one thing to keep in mind there is a way to use 5 volt encoders um so there's some cabling that kind of knocks that voltage down so i mean the biggest thing i, I believe is is just the 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 users knowing what's on that machine cuz it'll make their life a lot easier when they're going through the wizard and the setup and the configuration right they need to know, you know, how many pulses the encoder is because, I mean, you're going to have to make sure that stuff's correct when you're going through this just to get a good calibration initially. So, I mean, that's one thing we've noticed quite a bit. Um, but with the RCM, I mean, there's so many diagnostics and, and things that you can use to help troubleshoot certain issues. Um, another good one, I guess, I don't know if we hit on, was uh, the gate height setting. You know, a lot of guys, you'd have to manually change your – um, spreader constant when you had to go manually change the gate. So now with RCM, we do have a uh, gate height option that will actually automatically adjust that spreader constant, which maybe is a little more user friendly. But sure, uh, yeah, you know it's definitely a nice benefit, especially when we're getting the spreader side of things that uh, you can change that and it should calculate your uh, spreader constant, so you're not forgetting that you had changed your gate height and the applications well, off. So. Right. Yeah, and when it comes to the spreader constant, that's the only the only thing that should be a variable. But we know as far as belts and change, are, yeah, yeah, belts yeah. and change can Loosen get some up, slack. Um, uh, density too mm-hmm, is the yeah. other one, and I just being on test machines and things that seems like that is often overlooked by the operators is that while I changed loads, right. I've 
you know, this fertilizer came from a different part of the pile. And, you know, now I'm not, now my calibration isn't working out right. And that, so I guess it's just be aware that density, density right. and gate height both play a big role in that. Okay. Um, kind of on Josh's note about the, I guess I'd just encourage everybody to look at the diagnostics tests and readings page because there's so much information in there and a lot of it's boiled down to pretty simple stuff pretty simple steps um might save yourself a headache trying to figure out an issue you know just make yourself aware of what tests are in there even is that you know i think we with test machines especially we ran into that a lot where uh you know our operators just weren't even aware that they could go run through this diagnostic test by themselves Mm -hmm. and it might uncover, you know, really obvious problem they could fix. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's not like, uh, you know, some other products where you get back into the behind the curtain of a, like of an EC or an object pool. It's not, you know, you're not going to lose a hand or something like that. Yeah. Nope. It's it's, those uh, get in there and just kind of, well, not not player. There are warnings. I've seen there are warnings like you know this is going to happen if you go past this screen. Yeah, this thing's going to move or mm-hmm. you know things Definitely. like that. Um, but yeah, so just kind of getting there and just check, see check yeah it out. see what's there. Um, yeah, I I think we haven't probably done a great job just making people aware of how much of that and you know there there's directions on all of them. Um, Pretty much any operator should be able to walk through that test. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like you mentioned earlier, sometimes it, it's good to maybe just have a second set of eyes too. Yeah, it's I not think, bad. I mean, if you had yeah. somebody that could go just kind of stand by the machine and just see kind of what's going on while you're in there pressing buttons and get some actual visual visual feedback as well. But uh, right. usually the RCM does a pretty good job telling you what's happening or when things should be on. I mean, you'll right. at least see what it's outputting, not necessarily what's physically happening on the machine, which is another way to uh, troubleshoot and diagnose. So RCM says the boom section's on, but say a valve isn't opening. Well, there's a disconnect somewhere in the wiring, so it's just a matter of maybe at that point getting the voltmeter out and checking some signal sure. voltages and things. But you know, it's a it's a very very good system, user friendly. But uh, yeah, I think the the you mentioned you mentioned it earlier. I just kind of want it because I know that's probably one of the bigger things that bigger bigger challenges I should say that we faced when it comes to uh, getting calls on system building. Um, you know, from, from our dealers. And I think some operators even, uh, come in with it too, uh, is knowing your machine. And so like from a, from an operator perspective, knowing the, the sensor types, um, probably the big thing is the majority is based on the connectors. Is that, is that right? Yeah, like we, kinda, uh, we kind of, uh, changed our connectors, I guess, from legacy system. I mean, we still have adapters to right. adapt to our legacy connections, like our three pin weather packs, things like that. But now a lot of times we use like uh, the Deutsch type connectors, but uh, I mean, we do have adapters just that most of our valves are going to the Deutsch style connections now. So that we kind of progressed, I guess, a little bit. And, and as far as that goes, I mean, just for, right. you know, reliability and things like that, it's kind of, we only decided to go to the Deutsch connectors with our you know iso gen 1 gen 3 cabling systems so yeah i would say everything going forward and thus we're adapting to some specific component that another manufacturer is using 
Um, we're as we develop new new harnessing for new applications. It's gonna be pretty ex- pretty much exclusively Deutsch, right? Um, that was a big that was a big thing that I've noticed uh, just from you know looking at cases, looking at um, things of that nature. Uh, was just even like even from the dealer side of it. If you're going to be putting this on an older machine, just at least start starting from. You're almost kind of doing it in reverse. It seems because you're going to be leaving some. Yeah. You're going to be leaving a lot of that stuff on. The machine yeah, a lot of times. Part. Yeah, you are kind of working in reverse from uh, you know the valves identifying what valve you have. If it, right. You know, and then kind of working the cabling back. I mean, that's one thing I guess with the RCM special when you're talking about spreaders and stuff. I mean. If we wanted to hit on like master outputs or master, you know, signal foot switches, what what we use to enable the master right. sense on those. I mean, it's it's kind of the basic concept is our low legacy ISO product controller 006 node. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know how in depth you want to go in, into some of the cabling and the pinouts and stuff like that. But I mean, as far as the cabling uh, well, goes, how much time? You know, everybody <laughs> says that we're too long winded in here. So, how much time do you have? Uh, what time is it anyway? <laughs> Getting close anyway. But uh, no, I mean, a lot of our granular stuff. It's all going to be an IBBC style hitch cable, um, especially with the RCM. Basically, you're looking at just uh, you know a lot of it is is related to like the pull type implements. I mean, that's where a lot of the RCM stuff comes from i mean we right. developed cabling for maybe self-propelled systems typically it's more oem based right. which we might have a solution for depending on if somebody has something particular but i mean there's there's cabling options out there but the biggest thing is 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 everything's the direct ibbc style hitch cable which you got your master connector for a foot switch there so it's easy for your master on off signal mm-hmm. um I mean, there's yeah, it's it's not not too complicated. There's ways to add switch boxes. I mean, if you're you're running a cedar where you want multiple sections, you're not running like a section control or something where you're physically turning sections on and off. Right? So switch box might be good, but then you're looking at cab cabling things like right. that. Right. So um, just I don't know how deep in the woods we need to go on uh, the cabling aspect, but. Mm. Probably not too deep right now, if you no. know what I mean. <laughs> we don't need to go deep. <laughs> I think TL and I had a conversation on this uh, earlier today about some cabling and remote switches and stuff. But biggest thing is, I mean, if you're going to do like a, a spreader, most of our stuff, you know, use the use the, the Gen 1 or Gen 3. Uh, and I guess just to elaborate on the Gen 1 cabling versus Gen 3, Gen 1, um, if we can say it's – Technically, maybe a cheaper solution for the simpler machines, guys that are just looking at getting an RCM up for maybe one product, something along those lines. Gen mm-hmm. 1 ISO cabling is usually pretty good. It uses like the John Deere style connections, Gen right. 1 connections. Um, uh, the Gen 3 stuff, I guess, if you're looking at more or multiple RCMs, you know, if you're running into the strip-till machines, air seeders in the fall doing that, where you're running NH3, where you have one RCM for your NH3 system or injection, and then you got another RCM for your granular products. I mean, the Gen 3 stuff's a little better because you're just getting more high-current power ground load through there. So, um, Yeah, that that's kind of the key. Di- that is the key difference between Gen 1 and Gen 3 is uh, – we have an additional additional high current circuit in the Gen three cabling. Mm-hmm. Okay, and really for nearly every application, Gen one cabling is sufficient. 
um, multiple injection pumps. You got to start looking at Gen 3 cabling. Uh, and then uh, the as we get into more electric drive stuff, uh, probably about any time you're dealing with an electric drive, you're going to want to lean towards Gen 3. Some of the drives are pretty efficient and low, you know, fairly low current, but uh, just not knowing the the exact specs on what the drives are. I guess about anybody using electric drives, I'd push towards Gen 3 also. But outside of, uh, you know, two or more injection pumps and electric product drives, Gen 1 cabling should pretty well cover everybody else. All right. Do you guys have anything else? I don't think I really have anything that's really creeping up in my brain here that I need to get out there, but... <clears throat> yeah, I think that covers most of the the granular-type features. Right. And you mentioned one for uh, a few times there. When that releases, we can, you know, if you guys want, we can have another one of these where we can just dive into to each one of those. Because I, I, I generally like to... Um, you know, now that we're having so many field computer releases in a year and we're having uh, different, uh, you know, application releases uh, or accessory releases for software, you know, just where we can kind of just jump in and talk about each little part of uh, release notes or, or anything like that. So uh, if this wasn't too painful for you, I might ask you back. Uh, I think <laughs> I could do it again. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. That's all, that's all I had. You know, I, like I said, we keep a pretty loose agenda. Like it. Yeah. Went well. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. <laughs> I'm cutting that off. You don't need to think. Anything.